0: Welcome to episode 16 of the Never Ending Glory Podcast. I am your host, Luke Grilly, and I'm here with my co-host, Jerry Burris, who's still reeling from the Delhi and Timothy Moskov losses in NBA free agency. Uh, I'm hoping you can make it throughout this whole episode without shedding a tear. I had to, Jerry, burn, I had to
1: burn my uh, my Deli jersey out in the backyard today. It was a sad day. <laughs> so you can't hate on him for signing that contract, right? God, no. sprinting to Milwaukee for that kind of money. Agreed, agreed.
0: If somebody's going to throw that money at you, why the hell not sign the contract? Um, we also, of course, we are going to be talking all NBA free agency. That's the big thing We went down once free agency opened up at 12.01 on July 1st. And so, of course, we have our resident NBA expert, Farkey on the line all the way down in Tampa. He's currently uh, in the middle of a major thunderstorm, but hopefully the, the internet stays uh, true throughout this whole hour-long podcast or so. So, Farkey still there with us? I'm still here
2: basking in the glory of a 50-win of a first half of the season by the Indians.
0: <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, as Farky mentioned, the Indians, uh, what, they didn't lose a home game in June, right? That is true. So the Indians are on fire. Red Sox uh, cooled off a little bit, but after a 21-2 to shellacking, uh, they have come back, and I think they just went two and one, and they currently have a seven one lead over the Rangers. So, but we're not talking NBA. We're not talking Major League Baseball. We are talking uh, NBA. Uh, but before we do that, gentlemen, how was your July Fourth?
1: It was good. It was a little bit low key this year. Uh, I've realized the best thing to do is to go to a mall parking lot and uh, just people watch before the fireworks take off, start going off about an hour and a half early, um, just to see the uh, terrible uh, lifestyle choices these people are making, but there's one thing that brings Americans together. It's free fireworks to be watched in a mall parking lot. There's nothing more American than that. Well, the question is how
0: many, how many big dog t-shirts did you see in the parking lot?
1: Not a lot of big dog, but I did see several, uh, unique choices of where American flags could be printed onto for, uh, clothing. Um, I, I haven't been shopping in a Walmart's, um, apparel section in a while, but it looks like they're doing <laughs> big things there. I, I, might have to check that out next year. My biggest pet peeve with fireworks and and they piss
0: me off is hey I'm gonna drive an hour in traffic somewhere just to sit for thirty minutes while friggin lights go off in the middle of this of the sky the dark sky for about thirty minutes and then I'm gonna spend an hour again in traffic getting home. Fireworks not, uh, they piss me off. I hate, them. Big, I hate them.
1: Yeah, I'm not a big fireworks guy. I think it's a little overrated. I love them off. Uh, of 4th of July stuff, like going to a ball game and then they have them afterwards or something like that. That's cool. But sure. the whole going somewhere to see it, it's, it's a little played. It's cool to see somebody's first fireworks. You know, you're bringing like a, a little kid, but just stay in your your own house and try to blow up your own backyard. I think if you really <laughs> want to get into the fireworks biz, drop a grand, you know, they're two for one at any mom and pops shop in Ohio. Just go get your own and uh, go to town with those Roman, uh, Roman candles. I mean, we did terrible, terrible things as kids with fireworks in our neighborhood. I don't know what it was like in preppy New England, but um, <laughs> we we basically use fireworks the way uh, kids use Tinker Toys when they're in kindergarten. Well, we we definitely never pulled a Jason Pierre-Paul, but um, you know who
0: almost? <laughs> did you hear who almost did this weekend? No, Swaggy P Nick Young for the Lakers. <laughs> Obviously, didn't learn from uh, Jason Pierre-Paul's mistakes and was, I guess, moments away from blowing his hand off. Um, which which definitely would have killed any chances of anybody signing him or him getting back together with Iggy Azalea. That would have uh, been funny. But, uh, yeah, so I, whatever. I mean, fireworks, they don't they do not do it for me. They piss me off. If I'm sitting on a balcony somewhere and I don't have to go anywhere and I can watch them, sure, whatever, but I'd rather drink. But um, speaking of fireworks, what a great transition, Luke. Kevin Durant <laughs> signing a two-year, $54 million contract with a player opt-out in 2017 with... The Golden State Warriors who just beat his ass in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, we have not seen a bitch move like this since the days of LeBron James in the decision. Uh, and we'll go into that into more detail on whether or not I felt that it was uh, as bad as the, the decision. But um, It
1: can't be as bad as the decision, but... Go ahead. Well, right,
0: right. Um, but it, it, it's just the it's the played out idea that if you can't beat, them, beat them, join them, join right. 'em. And and nowadays the NBA is just turning into that buddy buddy league and what's the easiest way to get a ring. You know, I don't mind Kevin Durant going to a team that he think that he thinks will give him the better chance to win, but the compete level of you going from the team that just beat you, the team that just went 73 and 9 and took the Cavs to A seven game finals and was probably a Draymond Green nut punch away from potentially winning their second straight finals. I I, I hate the idea of him going there and him just forming this super team. Um, It's just, it's embarrassing. And, you know, it's going to make the league not as fun to watch next year. Who, who, other than the Spurs who will be competitive, who can really compete with the Warriors in the West?
1: Park, you remember the days of elementary uh, playground basketball at recess? When one team throttled the other team, did you say, we got to repick teams and I'm going to go join their team? You know, no. You go and get the bigger, stronger, upper-level upper, upper uh, level kid and try to convince him to play for your team. You don't go and try to join the better team. Like, this is bullshit. I, I don't like the idea of having a super team in the NBA. Like, it's not us versus all. It's... It's bullshit. I just, I'm not a big fan of the move. I think it's a bad move for basketball as as a sport, and it definitely is a black eye in the NBA from not just a Cleveland standpoint, but I think as a basketball fan standpoint. <laughs>
2: the other the other thing you guys failed to mention is that, at least for me, being south of the Mason-Dixie line, the best part of a 4th of July weekend is that you are automatically guaranteed to see either Big Johnson t-shirts or Tweety Bird
0: T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> big Johnson—that was the other one I couldn't think about. I had the Big Dog, but Big Johnson's the other one, right? Right. But but back back to Kevin Durant. What
2: do you think about him? The the thing that just I guess saddens me the most about the whole situation, the state of the NBA, is we can we can guarantee that the days of the Celtics, Lakers, Pistons—you know—building teams through the draft and having strong front offices that way; those, those days are gone. That's never going to happen again. So, you know, it's it's literally going to be this way probably for the for the rest of the rest of our lives. People are going to try to pair up or whatever they say. Join them if you can't beat them. But um, I, I I don't agree with what he did. I, I know there's a lot of people out there like a like greenie that say, oh well, if it was your life, you would do the same thing, make the best decision for you. The guy just wants to win a championship. That's all it is, and he doesn't care how he does it. So for me, it's it's really a
1: sellout move. If um, there's one common thread that seems to go through everything with the decision when Kevin Durant leaving, it seems like it's it's international basketball play. When these guys all play together, because they never played really together in college or anything like that, but they play in the FIBA games, they play in the uh, in the Olympics, they get to talking. It's like. Who even needs a GM on your on your basketball team? Just let them play together, and they'll figure out their own teams. Well, and that's how
0: basketball is. I mean, we saw we saw David Black get fired in the middle of the season, and then Tyron Lue, who looked lost 90% of the time, came in and won a championship, and he didn't win a championship. I mean, LeBron James was the reason why that team won the championship and just the overall talent of the players. So in the NBA, where it's a star-driven league, you don't really need the GM. You're right. You just need to have that, that who's got the best social game. It's like episode yeah. big. It's like an episode of Big Brother, pretty much. It's like, who's got the best social game in order to win the championship? And and apparently, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, they're the ones who have the best social game because they brought in Kevin Durant. Um, it, I guess my biggest issue with it is – it makes him look like a chump and it makes him look like, I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be the alpha dog on a team because no matter what he could, he will argue, arguably be the best player on the Warriors It's between him or Steph, depending on how each guy plays night in night out. But he's not, that's not his team. Much like when LeBron James went to Miami it was Dwayne Wade's team. This is still Steph Curry's team. This is the Warriors are not Kevin Durant's team, even though he could be the best player. Um, if he stayed in Oklahoma City, and I'm, I'm sure he had a conversation with Russell Westbrook, and, and Westbrook said, listen, I'm not staying. I'm out of here after a year. I'm all set. Uh, if he if he went to Boston, where he pretty much would have been the lead dog there and could have turned around the franchise, um, you, you would look at him as, okay, this is your team, Kevin. I have no problem with him leaving Golden State and trying to – Go to maybe he just wasn't happy there. I mean, for the first time, he finally hit free agency, for the first time in his career, so he can choose where he wants to go. But it just seems like such a sellout bitch move to go to a team that's seventy three and nine. It, it's you know, I, I saw a hilarious tweet uh, the other day where it's like uh, Kevin Durant tries to uh, build a time machine in order to go back to play for the Dream Team. You know, it's like the, the easiest way out. That's the what that's what he was looking for. So. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how they divide the ball there because Burris as you mentioned on in our group text there's only one basketball I mean who's going to sh- how many times are they going to shoot the basketball in golden State
2: well you here but he's he's gonna get much more favorable shots even though I, I feel like Durant does have pretty good shot selection he he shoots a really high percentage for for a lot of the shots that he takes but i I think that it's going to be similar to you know Kyrie stepping up in the playoffs and in games when J.R. Smith plays real well, where it takes pressure off of the types of shots LeBron has to take. It's going to be tenfold in in Golden State, I think, the shots that he's going to get, or at least the, the type of defensive pressure that he'll have on him because of rotations and, and as long as they're moving the ball, which they do real well, all of that will, will play a big factor into his his shot selection. But... I. Unless Russell Westbrook somehow gets my number and calls me and tells me that he told Kevin Durant that he was leaving after this year, I, I, there's nothing that will convince me that he told Kevin Durant that because there's no one in the league that has more dog in him than Russell West, than Russell Westbrook. And, and I think that guy, he, he, he doesn't care. He, he just wants to beat the best team. I truly believe that that's the mentality he has. And he would have stayed with Kevin Durant for the next 10 years.
0: Um, I don't know if I agree that he would have stayed. Um, maybe, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's. I guess there's so many rumors out there that he's an LA kid and he wanted to go to LA. Uh, the way that LA has been throwing money around in free agency, that might not be a reality next year. But um, I don't know. I, I think that again, just like Kevin Durant, he wanted. He, I think Russell Westbrook will want to go. Where he wants to go next year, and I don't—I'm I'm not guaranteeing—I'm not guaranteed that Oklahoma City is where he wants to stay. Uh, you, know, you see a lot of players right now who go to uh, Miami or LA just for the social scene. We know that Russell Westbrook's big into fashion and all that, and he has uh, you know outside people pulling him towards LA or Miami because those are fashion capitals of the world, maybe even New York. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he would have stayed. I don't think he'd stay in Oklahoma City, whether or not Kevin Durant's there for the next ten years. To be perfectly honest.
2: I think it's all smoke and mirrors, but it, it doesn't matter. I just the, – the Durant thing, I, I guess my point is I don't think they had a conversation about it. And, and Westbrook, regardless of, of how he appears on the court, kind of trying to take the alpha male role and, and be the guy and whether or not um, the, the coach let him do that this past season or not and whether it bothered Durant, I just – I think that he feels – or at least felt comfortable playing with Durant. And Durant kind of – for – for the most part this past season, kept him level-headed and really helped him mature as a player. And I think he—he even though he doesn't always portray that that type of common sense, I think that he really knows that that's, that's what had occurred.
0: Yeah, no, I can see that. And it would have been great to see them continue to play for the next five years because they've been fantastic to watch for the last, what, seven or so years. Um, But I want to go back to the Warriors real quick and talk about just different shot selection. Fark, you mentioned that Durant's going to see, you know, much more open shots because teams have to worry about Klay Thompson. They have to worry about Steph Curry, Draymond Green. Um, But just looking at the numbers from last year, Kevin Durant, Put up 19 field goals a game with uh, just over six and a half three-pointers a game. You had Steph Curry, who was over 20 field goals a game, uh, with 11-plus three-pointers a game. Klay Thompson, 17 field goals a game with eight three-pointers a game. So, with those three players combined, that's a total of 57 field goals, att- field goals attempted and 36 three-pointers attempted. All right? So... The whole Warriors total, though, from last season was 87 field goals attempted and 32 three-pointers attempted. So where are these shots going to come from? I mean, if anything's going to happen, all these guys' stats are going to suffer. I don't see any way that Steph Curry can put up 30 points a game and Kevin Durant can put up 28 points a game and Clay can put up 25 points a game with all three of these guys demanding the ball. Uh,
2: Go ahead.
1: I was going to say burst. Do you see any sort of issue with Kevin Durant coming to Golden State? From a shot selection standpoint, no. From a shot amount standpoint, yeah. I think you're, you're – like we said, when there's only one ball, you can only slice the pie so many ways and with, with so many guys. The good thing is they're going to be taking away all of Zaza Pachulia's shots. Um, <laughs> that's something we we'll do not have to worry about. But he – if they're just going to keep chucking, they're going to have to play – at a pace higher than they did last year to get in another couple possessions if, to make everybody happy, but I don't know. I, uh, I, mean, I mean, Harrison Barnes left, so it's not like he was giving away. Uh, he's giving away a bunch of shots back to those three. But well,
0: Harrison Barnes put up nine and a half shots a game and three three pointers a game, so I mean, you, you're,
1: he's getting something uh, yeah, back, but still not enough. And who who's to say that like they don't have a talk and say, listen, you know this week it gosh it's hard to say because when basketball is played you don't go hey i need to get my 35 shots up today you got to get your 20 and then uh you got to get your 12 like when you get in the rhythm you're going to see some nights where one of these guys is going to put up you know over 40 and the other two numbers will suffer i think they're going to have which is
0: which is very similar to the big three in miami
1: right yeah or like what you saw in cleveland like Kyrie would put up big numbers one night, and uh, Kevin Love would have a big game, you know, shooting three pointers. Another, uh, another, the next night, and I don't think it's going to be a situation where they're going to be openly arguing. I don't think Steve Kerr would let that happen in the way that they play ball. I just think with those three on the court and then a Draymond Green, who's defending the middle? That that's the point I'm seeing. Is like you're combining arguably the three best shooters the NBA has seen on one team in, in a long time. That's great. But how are they going to defend anybody? I mean, Kevin Durant's not known to be a stopper, like the way we see uh, LeBron played in the playoffs last year. He's, he's not. It, you're going to put it all on Draymond Green? I mean, Festus Azili's gone. Spates is gone, not that he was a, a huge threat. And is rounding the corner of being uh, too old to play 82 games. Like. That's my concern for them is it's not shooting too much or putting up more points than anybody. It's it's can they get a stop when they need to because it didn't seem like they could with uh, with better defenders on their team. I mean, they're not getting much out of Zaza Pachulia and David West, I don't, I don't think, defensively.
0: Well, that, that's a good point. And also, you know, if you take a look at the finals, once Andrew Bogut was out, the Cavs – they they went they finished the series off. What was it two zero? Yeah. Uh, with Bogut out, so you're definitely losing a lot in the middle, and that's why I didn't love the Durant fit. I understand that Kevin Durant's a top five player in the league, top three player in the league probably. I, I just don't when you when you already have something going well with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. I think you have to look elsewhere. I think you have to look for an inside presence to to match up or to go along with Draymond Green. I, I just didn't think that this was the right move for them. However, the caveat is sometimes when you just put too much talent on the floor, it doesn't matter who you're going against; you're going to win. So, yeah, how
1: did um, how, uh, how the Eagles do a couple years ago when they did? Oh, they, the the dream Warriors, team yeah, with Vince the Young team. as a backup. I want well.
0: <laughs> um, I know, right? Um, so, so Farkey, I want to get your get your take on this. So, Burris um, mentioned Zaza Pachulia and David West, who are both signed after the Kevin Durant signing. They're both signed to cheap contracts. David West continues to just sell his soul for, for a ring. He, he opted out of a $12 million contract with the Pacers two years ago to sign the veteran minimum with the, uh, the San Antonio Spurs this past off season. Obviously, the Spurs did not get a ring. Now he's signing the same contract, the one-year veteran minimum, with the Warriors. Um, but another player came out and said that he's interested in returning, and that's four, soon to be 41-year-old Ray Allen. Um, last time we saw Ray Allen, he was chucking up threes for the Heat. And now the the word on the street is that he wants to play for the Warriors. So is this just getting ridiculous with all these guys that are just chasing rings?
2: Well the, the good thing is as much as people towards the end of the playoffs and I think even after the Cavs won it started to you know really be abrasive towards Golden State, I think it's going to even get worse now because everybody's just it seems like every time we hear a name or they have a new signing it's it's like are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. I mean, is, do they really need to do this? Are they this desperate? So I, I like that aspect of it, where it's going to kind of I think keep turning people against them. Um, Ray Allen, yeah, I, I think it, he's he'll be in phenomenal shape. I don't, I'm sure he can still shoot the ball. I, how big of an impact he'll have? I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of undecided. I think he'll maybe play 20 minutes a game. Uh, you leave him. He'll make shots. Uh, you put somebody on him that'll chase him around. I, I I think he won't be much of a factor. So he he doesn't worry me that much. Um, yeah. Back to Durant though. I first I'd say Durant's actually a really good defender in my opinion. I, I, I think if he sits down and d's up, similar similar to like a LeBron. If as long as he sits down and puts the effort in, he he can play really really well. But with the shots, the number of shots. I, I think as much as I can't stand Steph Curry and almost hate Steph Curry, I will say I don't think he's stat hungry or obsessed with getting a ton of shots or scoring X amount of points. I don't think he goes out into games thinking like that. So I, I actually think he's okay with taking a little bit of a step back in order to let Durant feel comfortable and continue to, to play in the type of role he's used to and I'm sure wants to be in. I think there's more more of a chance of – Curry taking that step back and letting Durant shine a little more than Durant taking a step back, vice versa, and Curry. Because Curry really doesn't force shots. Um, There's plenty of games that they won where he was content with letting other guys make the plays and take shots and facilitating. But when he starts getting going, then yeah, he gets some confidence and he he wants to, you know, get on a hot streak. And I I understand that. But overall, I, I really think that that he's willing to make this work because I think he's embarrassed that they lost that that series.
0: No, I I definitely. I think everything we've always seen is Steph Curry is a great teammate. I actually think stats-wise he won't be putting up 30 again this year. He'll probably be in the mid-20s. I think it's Draymond Green and Klay Thompson are going to see the biggest hit to their stats because, I mean, Draymond was left wide open last season. He hit those threes, so maybe he'll continue to do that. But, Clay Thompson's not going to make get as many shots as he did before. Um but Draymond's nothing. not Draymond's
2: not gonna get the opportunity to shoot all the threes that he did last year. Those True. are gonna transfer to Durant.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how this team meshes. You know, will they? It's going to take time because it always does. We saw that with the big three in Boston. We saw that in the big three um, with Miami and Cleveland. And it just—it simply is going to take time to figure out for these guys on you know how, how they're going to play with each other. Um, but you know, let's go back to Russell Westbrook real quick. What's Oklahoma City? What do they do with Westbrook now? He's already come out and said that he's going to go. To next season's free agency, because the salary cap is going to just skyrocket. Uh, next off or this offseason, it already has skyrocketed. That's why we've seen some of these crazy contracts be signed. Last season, the salary cap was at seventy million. This year, it went up to ninety four point one million. So it's a twenty four point one million dollar difference, which is the biggest um, change or the biggest rise in the cap number in NBA history. So on top of that. Thanks to a nine-year, twenty-four billion-dollar media deal, whatever the hell that means, I, I don't even can't even imagine um, what that entails. The cap is going to go up yet another thirteen million to one hundred and seven million dollars in 2017-2018. So that means that the max contracts that we're seeing now are really only going to be about eighty percent of the max contracts we see next season. So Russell Westbrook is really looking to cash in next season. Trade. So with that Me,
2: we trade. trade.
0: Exactly. I agree 100%. I mean, at this point, you're going to get maybe $0.60 on the dollar because teams know that he isn't going to re-sign with them until – he won't re-sign until – or sign at all until the offseason when the cap figure goes up. So a team like the Celtics who have – are going to have a very early Brooklyn pick. They have a bunch of young assets. I don't see them giving up a ton for Russell Westbrook. Um, I think I think GM Sam Presti is going to have a hard time getting a good deal now for Westbrook. However, once the trade deadline hits, I think in January, you might see some teams make a play for Westbrook if they are contending. Um, so, Fark, you say trade him now. Um, do you think that now is the right time for Presty to trade him, or should he wait until January, until the, uh, the trade deadline?
2: I, I think I'd let some teams stew on it because I think the closer it gets to the deadline, the more – Maybe you'll get some some panic in some teams. Uh, Celtics are out, like you said, because they've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars on their talent scouts to spend all kinds of months over in Europe uh,
0: <laughs> uh, 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 scouting the uh, scouting the, the beach chair sales. Yeah, so they're we
2: we know where their where their focus is. So Celtics are out, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think you have to trade them and. It's a total rebuild. It's it's got to be. And but but I like your point. I don't think they can do it right now. I, I wouldn't do it right now. I'd wait and see if people get into a panic as it gets close to the deadline. That's that's my take on it.
1: I say First, trade too. Go, say I, trade. I say trade. Uh, I wouldn't even wait around and uh, and start the season. I would try to do it now. I, somebody's going to be looking to do something. And they might even actually do something stupid. Um, I don't have a team to say that to send them to but you might see somebody move um somebody that they wouldn't think about moving um but it's russ westbrook i mean he's a top five player you gotta you gotta you know look at your roster and go man is there a chance we could get him what makes you think anybody would do
2: something stupid there's been no stupid moves made yet <laughs>
1: <laughs> what timothy
0: moscow's uh four-year 94 million or 64 million dollar contract wasn't stupid what do you mean oh. um Yeah, I think what will happen is once free agency dies down a little bit and teams can take a look at their roster and just kind of let everything settle, then they might explore trades. Uh, But yeah, right now, I don't see it happening. I don't see Westbrook being traded. Uh, Sometime towards the trade deadline, definitely that could be a a likely scenario. Um, but, you know, when when Westbrook's already come out and said, I want to wait until I can sign my own contract and sign with whoever I want to sign with, that kind of kills Oklahoma City's uh, leverage a little bit. So, right. you know, right now right now with Westbrook, they are probably uh, six seed. So, uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with that whole situation as it pans out throughout the season. But, I finally want to be able to talk and be happy about something that my Celtics did. Uh, I know, Farky you, you hate this signing, but Al Horford signed a four-year, $113 million max deal, and I'm pretty excited about this move for two reasons. Number one, I think Horford's a decent presence on the inside. Not only can he score from the inside and the outside, but he can also defend on the inside and outside. He's athletic enough to defend a guy on the perimeter, much like you know Kevin Love did against Steph Curry in the waning moments of Game 7. But also, for the first time ever... The Celtics actually attracted a free agent to Boston. For some reason, I, I think it goes back to, you know, the 60s and 70s where there was a ton of racism in Boston. <laughs> guy, no, seriously, guys still hold that against the Celtics. And, you know, it, it finally, every time they've built a team, it's always been through trade. Once Kevin Garnett got here, they convinced him to, to re-sign, but you, they never lure a free agent over um, and and get them over here just via signing. So I was celebrating on July third when he signed. I was or July second. I was at a lake house. I was playing some spike ball and some cornhole, and uh, the the party got real turnt, as the kids say. Once we found out that uh, Horford was signing with the Celtics, and and it went from me believing that there's a one percent chance that the Durant was coming to like about a twenty percent chance that Durant was coming. So. That really got the party started even more. Uh, obviously, that didn't pan out as expected. But uh, Farky, I want to hear why you don't like the signing for for Horford in, in Celtic Green right now.
2: I, I don't. I don't hate Horford. I. I actually,
0: before a couple of years ago, he was a
2: guy that I would love to have on the Caps. Um, I think. Yeah. I. I think. Uh, my, my opinion of him is a little muddied after the last two years because especially two years ago, it just seemed like the, the Hawks were that gnat in the playoffs that everybody would kind of talk about a little bit that they were going to give a, the Cavs a hard time. But um, And then he didn't, he didn't really play that well, especially this year, against the Cavs. So um, I, I lost a little bit of the impression I had of him. I, do I think he'll be a good impact player? Yeah. Do I think he's he plays hard? You're always going to get... You're always going to get a strong effort from him. Yes, he keeps his mouth shut for the most part; doesn't act like an idiot. But I, I just I wouldn't have been doing backflips over him like they had signed a Kevin Durant or you know a Russell Westbrook or something like that. But but you guys have a lot of a lot of young talent, a lot of, of good good solid pieces there that I think bringing somebody like this on is is what you had to do. You had to get at least one impactful. I guess all-star star signing in the offseason you' were able to do it with Horford so I, I wouldn't have, I just wasn't as excited about it as, as you were I was also at a similar party and had been uh, enjoying myself all day so maybe I was a little more emotional <laughs> about <it>. you <laughs> playing you
1: weren't right. playing spike ball over the news of Al Horford being signed <laughs> I, I was playing I, spike
0: ball before Al Horford signed and then oh. I had a, I had a little bit more a uh, little more pop to my spike if I may because I was so excited after the signing spiking like
1: you're a florida gator fan all right great al horford doesn't doesn't let's say get me wet um i i i'm sorry i've I've been not an al horford fan pretty much his entire career and i can't quantify that into a statistic um i just don't like him because he's connected to joe noah um and their boys and i just i don't know what this is going to do other than he's a good locker room guy, and that's something the Boston Celtics did need was a veteran presence to come in and, and, like you said, may attract more people in the uh, either a trade midseason or you know maybe just to corral some of the young guys that they brought in. You know, you can't trust these European dudes; you never know what they're capable of. Right. I actually
2: like Isaiah Thomas's game more than than Teague's game, so I think that playing with Thomas may may get him some some easier looks, um, you know, an opportunity to to get the ball close to the basket more instead of him having to face up as much maybe at the at the foul line or at the elbows and things like that. I just think that, that Isaiah Thomas is more of a, an electric, exciting player that's willing to, to penetrate and get the ball to the players down in the paint.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the big reason why I was excited about this signing was – when Isaiah Thomas was off, the Celtics were terrible. They just they just looked like a bottom five team when Isaiah Thomas struggled. Now they have another legitimate scoring threat, another legitimate uh, defensive presence, which can kind of take some of the pressure off of Isaiah Thomas. But he I mean, has somebody he has
2: somebody when he penetrates because he he loves to penetrate and he's fantastic at it. Where he doesn't have a, his other option out on the wing, where he has to make some pass, you know. Uh, jump stop and twist and throw the ball back out to the wing or something, he can he can hand the ball off or get the ball to somebody open in the paint for an easy basket.
0: Right, right, which he hasn't had uh, ever since he's come to Boston. And even before that, if he had to dish it out to the wing, he was dishing out to Jay Crowder, who's a nice player, but he's a good player and a bad team. And, and Avery Bradley, who can hit a big shot when it's needed, but he's not consistent. What, what I'm excited about is they finally have another consistent player who will, night in, night out, will get you 17 points a game, come close to 10 rebounds a game I know the last two years his rebound numbers have dipped in 2012 he had his best season at rebounding wise with 10 rebounds a game Uh, last season was at seven the season before eight I think a lot of that was because Paul Millsap came over and took a lot of those rebounds but you're gonna get you're gonna get close to 17 and 10 almost night in night out from Al Horford so I'm really excited about that
2: you can't really quantify the Brad Stevens factor, who I have the most respect for. So so how will he react to playing for Brad Stevens? What will Brad Stevens do for him and with him? That, that that's, remains to be unseen, I guess.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting. I would definitely. I mean, Brad Stevens has... Again, I mentioned Jay Crowder, who... Is well, a little bit, last year yeah. had, his, had a solid season before he got hurt in the playoffs. Um, <clears throat> pulling up his numbers right now, real quick. Just bear with me for a second. Yeah, Jay Crowder. he I mean, only put up like about seven points a game, but he just he made big shots. And and again, when you're relying on Jay Crowder to be your number two scoring option, I'm sorry, he put up 14 points a game last season. When you when you rely on Jay Crowder being your number two option, you're, you're not going to get far in this league. And especially as we saw that the the Celtics were routed by the by the Hawks last season in the opening. Round of the playoffs, so I think that there's nothing but good things that can come from Horford signing. Again, as I alluded to, the salary cap's going to go up. So while it looks like a ton this year, the Celtics have plenty of money to spend this year, and this, the contract won't look half as bad next year. Um, you know, if he struggles a little bit, so th- that's a positive. And, and another another positive uh, that I think that uh, this guy should thank Brad Stevens for, is former Celtic Evan Turner signed with Portland for the four years, $70 million. Um, Turner was an off-the-scrap heap guy from Indiana, and last season, again, the Celtics knew that consistent second score, and sometimes when Isaiah Thomas was struggling, Turner could come in and put up a solid 20 points here and there, but it was not consistent. And, Farky, you mentioned earlier that You know, sarcastically, no teams have made a bad move in free agency. But $17.5 million a year for Evan Turner was a a bit of an overspend. And um, good for you, Borland. He's arguably
2: my least favorite player in the NBA from from a talent, performance, and effort standpoint. I I was laughing. I don't even know how I saw it or how I came across it. But I I saw that uh, the Celtics blog, and maybe it's just the Celtics, you know, being a, a tip of the tip of the hat franchise, but they said that he he created a new identity for the Celtics, a Celtics hustle, and I oh. I, I just I can't even wrap my
0: head around that. A Celtics hustle, huh? Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that one. But um, another former Ohio State guy, and this is the last guy I'm going to mention about the Celtics before we move on to the Cavs free agency moves. Another former Ohio State guy is Jared Sellinger who's been tweeting some interesting stuff the past few days uh, mostly you know being very cryptic with his emoji game saying that a change is coming and then uh, tweeting out emojis with zipped lips and the best part about that is all the Celtics fans were ret- retweeting him calling him a fat ass telling him how oh, we don't want to see you get out of here tubby all that stuff um, and he's he's now been favoriting all those tweets so he he's pulling the whole "haters make me famous" type of of mentality right now, um, but I, I'm expecting a team to wildly overpay him. And Sollinger was talented. He just he can't keep his weight in control, and his his conditioning has always
1: sucked. He's also and the I, wrong height. He's like what six seven? Like he's not he's an in between player, and it doesn't help that he's like you said a little overweight. Old Jared needs to focus on getting in touch with Ray Allen's dietitian. That's what his <laughs> offseason should be focused. On.
0: Yeah, so uh, I think that within the next 24 hours, we're going to see Jared Sellinger signing with the team. I'm hoping to God that the Celtics don't overpay for him because he's he's a Oliver Miller waiting to happen. He's a guy who's just going to eat himself out of the league. And I, I honestly don't understand how a guy can gain so much weight considering that during a basketball game, you're running close to seven miles a game. And it just makes no sense how they can balloon in the season. Off season, I get it, but during the season, it really makes absolutely no sense to me. But transitioning to the Cavs, uh, your your squad, the defending champions. Let's talk about who they lost again. In memoriam to this, the Cavs career of one Matthew Dellavedova, who signed with the Bucks for four years, thirty-eight four million point four million dollars. The Cavs obviously could not fit him under the cap with the LeBron signing waning um, or just waiting to be done. The Kyrie Irving contract, as well as the Kevin Love contract. It's a great deal for the Aussie, who will be a backup point guard in Milwaukee. And then, of course, Timothy Moskov was one of the first signings of free agency. The Lakers, who continue to baffle me, signed him to a four-year, $64 million contract. Um, I think that's a wild overpay, considering... What he did last season. He really didn't play much. I think he'll have a far bigger uh, impact on the Lakers than he did on the Cavs, but I mean, he could have got him for less than $16 million a year. So, uh, Farkey, I mean, where do the Cavs go from here after losing their backup point guard and just depth in the middle?
2: Well, I'm going to actually take a step back for a second on my comment earlier and, and make the Homer statement and say that. The Delhi signing was actually the only one that wasn't crazy because I'm so happy that that guy got paid. Right. Especially right. after the Cavs drafted Kay Felder, who I'll be I'll be extremely disappointed if he doesn't become a serviceable backup point guard for, for Kyrie this year. So that you know, really did they does it hurt them to lose Delhi? Probably not. If Felder transitions you know well to to the nba game but uh, i'm happy for the guy i mean he did he gave it his all everybody laughs at him makes fun of at him but shoot his family's set for the rest of his life so you like to see something good like that happen to a nice guy like him
1: he's a cleveland cult hero um he'll be up the name delhi will be up there with names like like kozar and (laughs) and feller (laughs)
0: hopefully in a good way (laughs) I mean, and what about Mozgov? Is he just an afterthought?
1: I don't know what the Mozgov, like, I go back, when I heard that he got, he got signed, I wasn't shocked. I mean, there's teams that need a, a seven-foot presence, but I was thinking back to the parade, and I was thinking back to when they had the, uh, the big party out in the park and they're all up on the stage, and LeBron talking about him. He never smiled once. <laughs> and maybe that's because he's Russian and it's not their way. But like, you're, not, it, you're not
0: allowed to smile.
1: He didn't smile, and like LeBron, like called him a motherfucker. Like he goes, man, that's a big motherfucker. Like describing him on ESPN and stuff. Like they had to bleep it out, but they didn't bleep it out on the local channels. He didn't laugh. Nothing. Was he checked out already? Did he already have this thing signed and ready to go? Shocking.
2: As shocking as it would be, I think that he was disappointed he didn't play more in the playoffs, and that to me is shocking. But well, that's just I,
1: a mental uh, midget right there. That's seven foot tall because there's no way he could play against the Warriors.
2: But his signing, his signing doesn't fall in line with any of these other big men signings this this offseason. That's what doesn't make any sense. And it, 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 I guess it's just the Lakers and and you know their thirst to, to to try to fill every need that they think that they need to the point where they're willing to spend whatever. But that. That salary is just insane. Well, and,
0: yeah, and Farky. I mean, let's look. So you mentioned the, the other big man signing. So we saw Al Jefferson sign for three years, thirty million, which I thought was one of the better signings uh, this so far this free agency period. Um, obviously, Andre Drummond, five years, one hundred thirty million dollars, but he's a whole different, whole different guy. Hassan Whiteside, four years, ninety five million dollars. So is, is Whiteside a step above Mozgov? Obviously, from a contract standpoint, he is. Uh, That'll like, be interesting numbers, to see. Any
2: numbers been published yet on on what they're talking what the Spurs are talking to Gasol about?
0: Gasol got 2 years 30 million. Yeah. Same. So Ugh. So yeah, I'd rather have Gasol 2 years 30 million, but again, you know, he's not going to go back to LA. Um, I think you know, you saw the, the big thing is so like Zaza Pachulia obviously was like $3 million for one year. Um I'm just trying to find the one contract that really, I think... Well, so, like, for example, the, um, Roy Hibbert was, was with the Lakers. And is Roy Hibbert that much different than Mozgov?
1: Uh, Mozgov actually can run the floor a little bit better than Roy Hibbert can. Um, he just can't catch a ball if you throw him a bounce pass.
0: Well, Roy Hibbert signed with the Hornets for one year, $5 million. So, you know, Mozgov got three more years and is getting paid triple each season... Than what Roy Hibbert's getting, so I, I just
1: don't. I, the 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 big men contract I think are actually all over the place because yeah you got like Chandler Parsons for four years ninety four mil to the Grizzlies and then you got Joakim Noah four years seventy two mil. Um, I, I don't know. Like in this environment, it may not be the worst, but it's definitely up there in that category.
0: Yeah, especially with it being four years. If it was two years or one year, I'd be fine with it. But mm-hmm. for two, for four years, again, everything's guaranteed. The only way to get them off your roster is to to pay the money. You know, buy them out or or trade them. Um, I'm
2: actually, I'm disappointed in myself that I've even put any thought into Moscow signing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I or think what about Bismarck-Biombo,
0: four years, we'll, 70000000 million? million? We'll, like, we'll, get, we'll get to Bismack Bismarcky, Bismack biombo in a second. Um, but we'll, let's just focus on the Cavs real quick here. So we spent enough time on the two token white guys. Um, rest in peace to your Cleveland career uh, You know you guys were full of grit and hard work And that's, that's what Cleveland was, was born on and, and what they preach on a daily basis Because uh, nothing is giving Everything is earned in Northeast Ohio But let's talk about some other rumors That are going around the Cavs right now The biggest rumor hitting the interwebs right now Which I think we all agree Is an absolutely asinine rumor Is Dwayne Wade Is he the next guy to suit up With the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, right now, he's allegedly negotiating with the Cavs, the Nuggets, and the Bulls. The Nuggets have allegedly offered two years $52 million, which is $2 million more than what Dwayne what he's asking from, for the Heat. Um, and then the Bulls have, uh, according to Twitter, which if it's on Twitter, it has to be true, the Bulls are offering a three-year contract. So I, I, I don't see how he comes to the Cavs. Uh, and, and Farkey, you're better at math than I am. Do the math for me. Is is Dwayne Wade going, going to be a Cleveland Cavalier next season?
2: No. Mathematically it does not work. The unit the unit already put the math down. It mathematically you cannot make it work. And my position on D Wade is that if the guy is demanding fifty million dollars, then he's obviously transitioned some to some hardcore drugs, and we do not need that <laughs> on the Cavs team. We do not need that that Sickness going through
0: the locker room. <laughs> oh. So now, if the Cavs trade Kevin Love, though, they could sign him, right?
2: Yeah, I don't think I don't even think that that, that they're even considering it. I really don't. I, I I'll be the first to admit, going into the playoffs, I was assured and had convinced myself that there was zero chance Kevin Love was going to be on that roster next year. But I just think everybody's feeling so good about the playoffs. I don't think it's going to wear off before next year. And I I, I really think now that Love's sticking around. I think that their that their main focus is re-signing J.R. Smith.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I mean, Dwayne Wade, he just doesn't make a ton of sense on this team, other than he's LeBron's boy. Um, that's, you know, LeBron, that's an interesting
1: Le- statement right there, Luke, because if you... Try to make sense of what LeBron's capable of, off the court, like with his boys and like marketing and stuff. Anything could happen. I looked it up. the The money that they have to pay him is three point four eight million dollars. That's it.
2: Right. If that's without
1: moving a guy, and if LeBron is is involved
2: in this, which I I can't
1: believe I, I
2: can't believe I'm saying this, but I do not. Feel like he's strongly involved in this. Before, when he went to to the Heat and everything, you you started hearing about all these people that were that were leaking these reports that LeBron was here, LeBron was there. Or these guys met down in Miami, or Wade came up to Akron and worked out with LeBron. You're not hearing any of that stuff. So either they're keeping it super hush hush, which never happens, or he's not involved. And I, I just I really don't think he's that involved in it.
1: He, met, he well. They were also just vacationing in Spain together for i don't know a week or so like that's the way he might be trying to do this is you know the like think back to when he was uh courting kevin love they were hanging out at a hotel pool like by themselves it's not like they're having these board meetings with them that's that's not what he's trying to do he's trying to sell him on the idea of if we do get you in here and this is me being the the crazy conspiracy theorist guy If we do get you in here, you know, you sign for this, but we'll take care of you for this, you know, in other ways, whether that's getting like a Mr. Hero uh, endorsement (laughs) deal. Um, I'm sure there's a Windows company around here that needs uh, a spokesperson. (laughs) Tim Lally Chevrolet. (laughs) Maybe There's maybe uh, cl- closets,
0: closets, closets, <laughs> uh, which is a nice Modern Family reference. Um, no, honestly, I, I would not be shocked if LeBron James, and again, I said I was going to stop criticizing him, and this really isn't too much of a criticism, but I wouldn't be shocked if his ego got in the way and he said, I want my buddy on, on this team. Sign him, trade Kevin Love. Trade Kevin Love to a team that can afford him. I honestly would not be shocked if that move happened. I think it would be a terrible move by the Cavs, but it has you know, has LeBron's ego let him let him astray before? Yes, yes, it has.
1: He's capable of that, but I don't think you do it to Kevin Love. He might say it about you know Channing Fry and, and Shump. you know, I want to get um, enough room on the pow- on the salary cap to get um, Dwayne in, but I don't think you'd get rid of Kevin Love at this point. I don't but think as much be- as we
2: make fun of, of Kevin's love of Kevin Love's defense because it's it's was certainly average all year. If you get rid of him, I'm I'm not convinced that Wade isn't going to be able to be a solid contributor because he's still he's still a great player. But from a from a lineup standpoint, it just it doesn't work as well as having Kevin Love in there. I mean, the guy still averaged ten rebounds a game, averaged seventeen or whatever points, and you know he's he's a great passer, and, and I, I don't feel like he's very
1: selfish. So I, just I I don't see how it fits. He'd have to be a 6 man, right? He'd have to come off the bench because you. That's I not want you, I don't want. Well, who'd you rather who do they, have on the
0: floor? Who do Him they feel J. Kevin Love's void with? Who do they feel Kevin Love's void with? Yeah, exactly. I think it would be a terrible move. I, I Again, I, I hope that LeBron's ego is not getting away of this, but I, I just think what Dwayne Wade right now is doing is, is very similar to what uh, Kobe Bryant did towards the end of his career. I feel like he's just holding the Heat hostage. You know, Right now, the Heat signed um, uh, Hassan Whiteside to a four-year, $94 million contract. Uh, the only way that they can technically re-sign Dwayne Wade and meet his contract demands is to trade Josh McRoberts who's getting like a $5 million a year uh, salary but nobody wants him because the guy's a stiff so everything I'm reading on Twitter and on ESPN is that if the, the Heat do move Roberts, they also have to move a future first-round pick or Justice Winslow, who is blossoming into becoming a solid contributor in the NBA. So, essentially, you're making your team worse to bring on a 34-year-old guy who has injury problems and can't hold up for an 82-game season. So, I just really think that... It, Dwayne Wade's not a $20, $25 million player anymore. He thinks he is, but he's trying to get paid for what he's done in the past, and he's just he's not that guy anymore.
1: He thinks because him and LeBron are the same age that they're... Well, they're actually not the
0: same age. They came out at the same time. Dwayne Wade's actually a lot older than him.
1: That's I think I... I, I let me rephrase that. I think it's because they think they have the same number of years that gotcha. he is on the same level, but he's not. Like, LeBron's got... Well, gosh, I'd have to go back and really think about how many games they played, you know, considering playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But the talent level is not the same. It's not. It's,
2: uh, it's broken down, though, as we, as we say Wade is, which he has, I guess, collectively over the last five years, he has he has missed quite a few games. He did play 74 games last year, which right. surprised.
0: Which is the most since 2010. I mean, the year before that, 62, 54, 69, 49. I mean, the guy, he's not the player he used to be. And would, he,
1: would him and LeBron do a trip at the same time for two weeks off in the middle of the season? Or they like, you know, you go one week, I'll go the next. We'll overlap <laughs> a week, meet up and go to the spa. What's, how does that work?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what their social con- their social life looks like. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Dwayne Wade, 34, LeBron, 31, going on 32. Um, they're always going to be linked together for a few reasons. And, you know, obviously they came out at the same time. They're buddies. Are they going to play together again? I hope not. But, you know, I think a big team to keep in mind here is the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls have been, according to Roto World, have been contacting teams with Cavspace space about Mike Dunleavy and Jose Calderon, hoping to dump those two guys in order to afford Dwayne Wade. And, again, if they're offering a third year, Dwayne Wade's like, this is easy money. I'm going to go back to my my hometown and get paid, till I'm 30, get paid $25 million a year to I'm 37. It's a no-brainer. So, um, a, a lot to see, a lot, a lot in play here with Dwayne Wade. He's got a few different options. It sounds like I, I just, I just think that at this point he's really just milking it for all his all the contracts are worth. And and God bless him, do what you can. Do you need the money? Probably not. But you know, if you can get it, why not? I
2: completely um, I completely agree that he's he's not chasing championships because for him to come out and say, look, I'll resign if you give me fifty million, done deal. He he knows that they are not a contender next year, so he's not chasing a championship. So to go to the Cavs, I, I still think the only way he goes to the Cavs is if they unload Kevin Love and figure out a way to pay him. I think yep. he wants the money.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned J.R. Smith, last guy we're going to talk about from the Cavs. I mean, Farky, what, what what can they do with J.R. Smith? Like you mentioned, there's or Burris mentioned, they got, got about $3.5 million left uh, to, to, to play around with, and J.R. Smith ain't taking $3.5 million. No, somebody. I
2: I think he's proven over the last couple years that he's capable of of maintaining at least enough sanity to to be to play at a high level, which he wasn't doing in New York. He was getting you know thrown out of games and was a head case, and that's why nobody paid him when he went to the Cavs. But. Um, I think somebody would pay him now. So the Cavs would, I, I haven't tried to figure out numbers or think about what they need to do to keep him, but um, they, they need to come up with something that, that will at least put them in the ball game with what some of these other teams might offer him. And I, I could be completely wrong. Other teams could look at it that have smart front offices and say, look, this guy's playing like this because he's playing with LeBron. LeBron's keeping him in check and he could go off the rails if he goes somewhere else. And that, that is probably likely. Um, so I think the Cavs. I think the Cavs do make an attempt to keep him. Um, my hope is that JR's kind of honest about how he acted after the after they won the championship, and that that he's loving and soaking up this feeling of playing on a contender and, and playing with these guys, and that he's truly become more of a, a locker room and a teammate. I, 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 I'm really kind of worried about it, just because I think somebody will try to pay him.
0: Sure, sure. And one thing I want to touch on real quick, uh, we just mentioned Dwayne Wade. I follow a Twitter account that I suggest everybody follows if you're a basketball fan, uh, at Legion Hoops. They just tweeted out, and you know they have about just under 400,000 followers, and they've been great throughout this whole free agency period. Um, they just tweeted out, Wade wants to make a decision tonight. It's either Bulls, Nuggets, or the Heat, reports Yahoo. So by tomorrow morning, when this publishes, we might know where Dwayne Wade is going. But it sounds like he's he's trying to make that decision tonight. So is he just putting more pressure on the Bulls, or I'm sorry, on the Heat? That nah, sounds like it. So will the Heat meet that asking price? It'll be very interesting to find out. Um, but throughout free agency, throughout the NBA, we had a bunch of other notable signings that I want to touch upon real quick before we get to the winners, losers, and uh, you know, we'll wait and see of a free agency. Uh, the, the the probably the third biggest signing. That I am thrilled the Celtics did not make Is Dwight Howard to Atlanta For three years, $70.5 million Dwight Howard's from Atlanta There's always rumors of him going there Finally Atlanta gets his guy And uh, have fun with him, Atlanta the, the guy's a bum, the guy's a turd in a punch bowl He's never going to win anything He cares about himself, this might be the perfect place for him Because there are no other stars in Atlanta right now So um, Burris, I'd like to see what your thoughts are on On Dwight Howard to Atlanta
1: it's it's not doing anything that makes me think that they're going to challenge for the East Crown. Um, you know, I think losing Jeff Teague was the most the biggest blow for them. Getting Dwight Howard is really like getting a <laughs> getting the gift that you gave somebody else a couple years ago for Christmas, and you know <laughs> you bought it. <laughs>
0: it's like a chia pet that's got re-gifted to
1: you. Yes, and this isn't this is a legitimate Christmas gift. This isn't like a white elephant gift. You're like. Are you freaking kidding me? (laughs) Uh, No, he's an elite defender in the middle when he's playing, but, like, the game has changed so much that you can't be a liability at the free throw line. Like, there's so many guys that are like that, and just being a great rebounder and and a shot blocker isn't enough in today's league because everyone shoots threes. Like, what's the big deal? So, I don't know. I'm not – I don't – I don't knock him for doing it. He's still one of the you know the best centers in the league. But the center position—if you're not one of the stretch centers that can shoot 18 to 22 feet away, like what's the point?
0: Honestly, I was very torn on him uh, because the Celtics were obviously rumored in him uh, in signing him. I, I'm, again, I'm torn because if he walked into the Celtics locker room, he's arguably the best player on the team. However, he walks into the locker room and becomes about me, 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 where the Celtics really gelled towards the end of last season. So he totally would have killed the vibe in the Celtics locker room. I'm, I'm thrilled that he went to the Hawks. I think the Hawks got much worse this offseason because you mentioned Jeff Teague being traded to the Pacers. I, I didn't understand that move. Um, they, they re-signed K- Kent Bazemore, who used to be a journeyman, and um, you know I have them on my loser list, and we'll talk about them in a second. But, um, yeah, Dwight Howard. 30 going on 31 with a bad back he's gonna miss time he's gonna want out can't shoot for shit from more than three feet away from the hoop uh he'll get you 10 rebounds a game get you a couple blocks but that's really about it so uh have have fun with him atlanta uh you know you guys are now a seven seed maybe if you're lucky um farky we mentioned earlier some pretty terrible contracts and i want to talk about two of them right right now uh nick batum and mike conley Batum signed with the uh, Hornets for five years, $120 million. So that's $24 million a year. And then Mike Conley signed the highest contract in NBA history, five years, $153 million. That's $30.6 million a year for a guy that's never made an all-star team. What do you make of those two signings?
2: Uh, Both of them are are just ridiculous to me. The second one, though, with Conley (sighs) – I don't even know what to say about that. When you're talking about a guy who, you know, five years ago, I guess people could have been talking about maybe would have demanded this type of money. But he's he's always hurt, um, you know, because he, he does have kind of a frail body. Um, he's, he's been electrifying and exciting, and, and I think he's always been right there on the verge of, of taking that next step and making that next plateau point guards. But, man, he just, like to your point about the All-Star Games, he, he has not made it. So I, I, I completely disagree with it, and I would put it right behind the Dwight Howard signing. As, as Dwight Howard signing, to me, is just flat out a fireball offense, and I put Mike Conley right behind it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you take a look at Mike Conley and and getting paid $30 million a year, you got to think he's an elite point guard. But the guy's average is six assists a game for his career at best. Listen, I know assists, I know stats aren't always um, – the best litmus test for whether or not a guy deserves a contract, but if you're a point guard, you should be averaging more than six assists a game no matter what. If you're distributing the ball, it shouldn't matter. I mean, yeah, he was a bit of a score, put up 17 one year, 15 one year, put up again 15 this year. He takes care of the ball, you know, usually right around two turnovers a game, which isn't terrible for a point guard. But for $30 million a year, and the fact that, the thing is, even if he didn't sign with Memphis, somebody else was going to give him max money. And that just goes to show you how ridiculous the NBA can be. Uh, I mean, again, good for him. He's signing uh, a deal that's going to make him the richest player in NBA history. And, of course, with sports being the way they are, next season – Five guys will trump that number, so it really doesn't matter. Um, but that was just uh, an interesting move. It's amazing that he could even command that type of money this day and age, but you know, so it goes. Um, another team who made some interesting signings, we mentioned Timothy Moskov for four years, $64 million. But also they signed Al Dang for four years, $72 million. And you know, I saw a ton of articles or a few articles that were applauding both the Dang and Moskov moves. But they committed $136 million to two players on the downswing of their careers over the next four years. I understand you have to bring in a veteran presence for the young guys, Julius Randle, um, uh, who's the Ohio State kid, uh, D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, I understand that you got to have some sort of veteran presence around those guys, but that kind of money, that's, that's going to hamstring your salary cap over the next few years especially if you're a team that plans on trying to bring in a guy like Russell Westbrook. So I mean Farky, what are your thoughts on that? on on the biggest losers? Well, we'll get to losers in a second, but I mean Luol Deng for 4 years 72 million dollars? Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you catch.
2: I didn't catch Dang. No, Luol Dang, He's kind of like that journeyman who who everybody pays. It seems like money that should go to a star, and he's never really been a star. He had a couple years, I think, where he averaged nineteen, twenty points a game on teams that were were five hundred. I mean, he went to the Cavs, and he was a, a complete abortion in Cleveland, and they didn't have any players other than Kyrie. Um, so that's another one. I, I, I completely disagree with the money they threw. In him. He's just he's never been that guy. He, and, and People pay him guy money. Right.
0: Right. Yep. Again, money being thrown around. That's the NBA free agency for you, especially with a cap that's just going through the roof. So let, let's talk about we've talked about all the different players that signed. So let's kind of now look at it from, you know, the out, or from a, a team standpoint, uh, Burris, I'd like to hear who you think were some of the biggest winners in free agency.
1: Um, I still think that the Knicks, as dysfunctional as they are, got better from where they were last year. Um, are they, uh, They're they on an upswing. Are they great? No. We'll see how Derrick Rose's knee holds up. Um, and I think Joe Kim Noah actually is – a boost for them not in so much a on the floor giving you a ton of minutes a game thing but I think as a uh, bench guy and creating maybe a little bit of a sense of toughness in is as annoying as he is but a sense of toughness in that locker room um, they're starting to get some guys around Porzingis and I think that's important and I think that's what uh, Jackson's trying to create there is get this guy is going to be a star. We need to surround him a little bit, and and we'll go from there. Um, well, here's the thing about the Knicks, and you mentioned uh, this this comparison
0: earlier in this episode is this reeks of Philadelphia Eagles to me. Yes, I mean, it just it just reeks of... I understand that Derrick Rose and, and Joakim Noah played together for a while, but they're both past their prime. Rose's knees are shot. Joakim Noah really struggled last year with a shoulder injury. Carmelo Anthony's Carmelo Anthony. Who knows what's going through that guy's mind and Porzingis is... Is just a European in, in the big New York City, so it's just a it's a smorgasbord of talent thrown together. But how's it going to work out? And I think this is Phil Jackson's one last gasp of trying to put together a competitive team. If all goes according to plan, they should be able to, uh, you know, be competitive with the Cavs for the one seed in the East. But it's not going to go well, and they we should, all know that
1: they should make the playoffs on paper, right? Right, right. And so th- I, that's the reason I put them as a. Kind of our, if we had to have a, a ranking of winners, I would put them in the top five, um, but not the first. Obviously, the Gold State Warriors are the be- had the best offseason so far. Um, and then I like what the Pacers did getting Teague um, and Al Jefferson uh, was a cheap deal for them. So I think that was another good one and good pickup.
0: Now, Farky, why did Al Jefferson sign a three year, $30 million contract? I feel like he's worth far more than that. I know he's getting older. I know he's been injury prone. I know he's more of a, you know, lumbering player, but I feel like three he had to have taken some sort of discount for whatever reason to go to the Pacers, right?
2: Well, he I I had the Pacers in my group of winners, so I, I think maybe he's somebody that that saw an opportunity. I mean, he's 31. True. He, he's transitioning to the the latter part of his career, the second half of his career. Um he's never put up gaudy numbers. So, I know it sounds crazy to think about it this way, but maybe he's somebody that had some real rationale and thought, hey, this is fair money for me, and I'm going to a team that has a legitimate shot of of winning a lot of games in the East next year.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I agree. They're one of my biggest winners. Not only do they uh, trade for Jeff Teague, also trade for Thaddeus Young, who will be a solid starter for them. So they brought in Teague Young and Al Jefferson. Uh, Jefferson should be either come off the bench or start at center. Uh, So they're going to be a solid team next year. And they currently have Paul George as well to lead that team. So the Pacers are going to be right there. They're going to be pretty competitive in the East next year. I I definitely think a top-four finish is definitely in line for them. Um, But one of my favorite signings um, and just overall what this team did – was the San Antonio Spurs. I know the only sign Pog was sold for two years, $30 million, but they expect Tim Duncan to announce his retirement, so he can probably bring in Manu Ginobili, or re-sign Ginobili, and they're going to get a few solid veterans. And, you know, they're not going to win the West next year, most likely. You never know with that team. Uh, now they have Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge. But they're, they're going to be solid. They're going to be a good team. Uh, I think they got better because we saw Tim Duncan really struggled towards the end of the season last year. Uh, I think even put up, you know, a game where he had scored zero points. So Gasol will come in, be a solid player for that team, probably put up about 15 points, 7 to 8 rebounds. I, I really like what they did. Now on the flip side, let's talk about some of the losers. Uh my biggest loser in free agency, I'm flip-flopping on this one. I, I think there's three teams that just, I hate what they did, but I think the the big thing, the big team that, that I think really struggled the most was the Orlando Magic. They made the ill-fated trade of trading Victor Oladipo on draft night for the 11th overall pick, as well as um, Serge Ibaka. And then what did they do? They pretty much... Signed Serge Ibaka's clone Bismack Biombo for four years, seventy million. So I understand that Serge Ibaka has kind of refined his role so he can shoot a little bit more. But in the end, they're both the same player. Uh, so I, I, I did not like what the Magic did with that. Uh, you know, they they re-signed Evan Fournier to five years, eighty-five million, which wasn't terrible. But just the trade of Oladipo and and signing Biombo is just maddening in my eyes. Farky, what did you think about that?
2: That one didn't bother me as much. They they didn't make my top four, but uh, they definitely needed to make some moves, and they kind of got iced out in 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 the game of anybody that was available. So in that aspect, I, I agree. It was pretty much a a mute offseason for them, but uh, they they didn't make my top four.
0: Who made your top four?
2: Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna actually name them differently. I'm gonna say
0: Dwight Howard, Timothy Moskoff, <laughs> Harrison Barnes, and Evan Turner. So you're naming players or teams here? Hawks, Lakers, Mavericks, and okay. Barnes, Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was confused for a second. I was like, actually, I think Mozgov did pretty well. Um, all right, Mark
2: let's H- talk. H- Mark Cuban should be ashamed of himself and embarrassed about his ability to run a business or franchise.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Mavericks were one of my biggest losers too, so let's talk about them. What was the biggest? What was So obviously Harrison Barnes is the biggest blemish of, of their offseason so far, huh?
2: I I just don't. For as much as they've they've shown respect and uh, commitment to everything that Dirk Nowitzki wants to do, and, and he still wants to play, he still wants to be you know a big impact player. I mean, and and the, and Mark Cuban has been very public about how he will do anything for Dirk Nowitzki. He owes the entire franchise to Dirk Nowitzki. For him to go out and sign Harrison Barnes to the amount of money he signed for, I. I just would like to have a 15-minute conversation with Dirk Kowitski and ask him <laughs> his opinion on that.
0: Do you think Dirk actually cares, though? I mean, he's he's 38. He The team will be – they're not going to be competitive, but they'll put they'll put out a decent product. I mean, they also re-signed Deron Williams to one year's $10 million. Um, they're going to be decent. I, I don't think Dirk cares, to be honest. I think Dirk's like, all right, I'm making 40000000 million. I'll go out. I'll play about 30 minutes a game. I'll, sh- I'll score, you know. 18 points a game, whatever. I, I don't think he cares at this point in his career. See, I, I, he's been one of my favorite players the
2: last 10 years in the league, and I, I, I watch him a lot on the court, and he plays with so much passion and drive that I just I, – I think he does still care, and I, I don't think he wants to be a loser. And I, I, I watch him get frustrated when he's playing with some of these guys, and they make bonehead plays, and the games don't go their way, and he just – his demeanor just – it shows one of disappointment. So I just – I have to believe that he is so disappointed in the signing of Harrison Barnes and I think he has enough respect for Mark Cuban that he would never come out publicly and say anything or make a comment or or what, but I just that that one really baffled me that I I just I can't with good conscience believe that Dirk Nowitzki would have backed any type of, of Harrison Barnes signing.
0: Yeah like I said it just sounds like that Mark Cuban I mean he he's the he's always the businessman uh, as we know if you ever watch Shark Tank but I think that he just said I'm going to put a team out there I know that we have absolutely no shot of winning the championship but let's make a splash of free agency let's keep people engaged in the team And then maybe eventually we'll be able to turn some of these young players, you know, or they might turn it to something or might be able to get some sort of assets for them. However, I think what they're really doing is they're putting themselves in NBA purgatory, which is not a good place to be because a team like the Milwaukee Bucks or, you know, even the Celtics without the Big Three back in Paul Pierce's early days, they're just going to be a meddling team. And and the Pacers, they're going to be a meddling team that. Is might make the playoffs one year, might not make the playoffs the next year, but they're never going to be bad enough to get a top three pick. Unless,
2: well, they, have, they they have a fan, uh, I think a, a brainwashed fan base too, where people have bought into the Mark Cuban Mark Cuban persona and, and are willing to follow him. And, and people, I'd say maybe half of their fan base probably doesn't understand basketball, and they just look at it as oh yeah, they're high five, and we stole one of the Golden State Warriors starters from their, their <laughs> iconic team, and everybody else is laughing at them.
0: Right. Yeah, No. I, I could see that. I could see that. Um, but, but you know what was interesting, too, is Jerome Williams, I thought that deal wasn't that bad. One year is $10 million. Why do I keep saying years? It's one year $10 million. There we go. That's much better. One year, $10 million. I understand he's been broken down a little bit. Only played 65 games this year, 68 last year, 64 the year before, but for one year, it's not a bad move. He's a talented, experienced point guard. Um, and remember, too, they traded for Andrew Bogut after the, the Thunder signed Durant. So Bogut's not great, but that's not a terrible signing. He'll probably be the starting center for them. So not the best offseason. They'll be competitive. They might make the playoffs. They're not going to be great. Um, I, I, I think I, the
2: reason I, I think the reason I don't like it so much is because we kind of predetermined it back in, in, even in the playoffs when we were, we were chatting on here about Harrison Barnes, and we all kind of just decided, okay – we're going to wait and see who signs Harrison Barnes, and we're all going to agree that that team was one of the worst off-season teams in the free
0: yes. agency. Yes. Yeah, because we saw Harrison Barnes just shit down his legs towards the end of that, that NBA Finals, and he was just absolutely brutal. Um, I just, again, following uh, Legion hoops, um, this is what's ridiculous about the NBA. Uh, Festus Azili met with the Blazers tonight. He's seeking a deal in the $70 million range. What? What? <laughs> Uh, it's it's ridiculous. The NBA is ridiculous. If Fasizzioli gets seventy million dollars, then I, I just did absolutely something wrong. Seventy wrong million
1: up. gold chocolate coins, right? Uh, nope, nope. It says it's, just, it's Those cash. Are U.S. Not,
0: dollars, not bitcoins. It's it's, it's in cash. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, NBA free agency. That's this is this is the best free agency uh, in all four major sports. It's there's so much player movement. There's so many trades. There's so many guys just teams jockeying for position. I, I absolutely love it. Um, So, Burris, you know, we've talked about the Magic, the Hawks, uh, the Mavericks. Are there any teams that you thought, other than those three, that are kind of either they were the big losers or maybe the jury's still out on how their offseason went
1: so far? I mean, the Atlanta Hawks signed Dwight Howard, so good luck. How about Kent Bazemore, four years, $70 million? That's another outrageous contract. Oh, God.
0: It's like... The guy had a few good weeks, and he turned into a seventy million dollar contract. Good for you. I I mean, good for him. That's amazing. It's just, it's it's ridiculous. But the team's got to spend the money. They got to get to the floor, the salary cap floor. So, I I guess they. Go ahead, sir. Well, pay pay for what you know, I guess, instead of the unknown. Maybe that's the that's the only rationale I can come up with.
2: I just keep looking at my list of my four biggest losers, and I, I. I, I, I look at the Lakers and I keep thinking to myself, Mozgov, 64 million, 15 points in the in the playoffs. And, it, <laughs> and Dwight Howard is such a bad person and teammate that with Mozgov making 64 million and scoring 15 points in the playoffs, I, I still can't get myself to believe that he's a worse
0: sign than Dwight Howard.
2: For me, it was automatic. Whatever team signed Dwight Howard was the worst team in the offseason.
1: Oh, there you have it. Um <laughs> there's a lot of shock and dismay on the Never Ending Glory podcast at some of these numbers. Did anyone watch him play in
2: Houston the last? Yes.
1: Years? Oh my gosh. He destroyed that
0: team both both emotionally in the locker room on the court. I mean it I'm, I'm not going to He he wouldn't play in the fourth quarter because they would just hack him and he couldn't hit a free throw. Oh. I mean yeah and he's got a back problem. He's he's just he sucks. He sucks. He's a bad person. <laughs> um, I, I do wanna say and, and the jury's still out on my Celtics. Again, I love the Horford move. Um, but after Danny's abortion of a of a draft where they brought in every euro known to man, um, I, I I don't they need to make one more move. I, I don't know I don't wanna say that they were better than they were last year. I think they're as good as they were last year. They need to make one more move. What move is available that makes sense and won't hamstring them for next year's offseason where there's going to be a lot more huge free agents? I'm not sure, but I you know I'd like to see the Celtics bring in, you know, a three point shooter. They could use a JJ Reddick type player. They just don't have that right now. Um, we'll see if they can pull off any moves. Um, but you know, the Cavs. Let's see if the Cavs can make some moves. They got to get creative. Whether that's LeBron James taking less money this year for the opt-out next year and then signing that huge contract, I'm not sure. I'd really like to see what they do with J.R. Smith. I thought he was just a, such a huge part to the team and his performance, not only in the NBA Finals but during the celebration and the Cavs parade, will just go down as legendary fodder uh, in Cleveland lore. So, NBA free agency, you gotta love it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Glory Podcast, where we'll continue to try to keep everybody up to date on all the latest big signings in the NBA, as well as what's going on with our Celtics and our Cavs. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Podcast, and of course, send us emails at negpodcast at gmail.com. And feel free to sub- subscribe and download our wonderful educational podcast on iTunes. And, of course, you can find us on SoundCloud. Um, Any closing remarks, Jason?
2: Hurry up and run to NBA.com
0: and get your Dwight Howard Hawks jersey before (laughs) next year because he probably won't be wearing one.
1: (laughs) I can't wait to buy the Hawks jersey at Champ Sports Outlet next year. Uh, Burris, your thoughts? I'm going to go see if I can get some of this uh, Kent more money for myself. So you have a nice night. You too, Jareth. Farkey, Jarrett, thank you very
0: much. We are the Never Ending Glory Podcast. We'll talk to you guys soon.